Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining. Good morning, good evening, namaste, hola, bonjour, maraban, harimate. This is Name Doshi, your host for the day. Welcome to episode 48 of the podcast, Each One, Teach Ten, an amazing world of STEM. An inspiring venture where we'll be discussing that STEM is part of every day for every kid. We all will learn together how to build a STEM culture. Well, for today, my guest is Ms. Amanda Pickett. Hello there, Hi, how, how are you? I'm good, how have you been? I'm good, thank you very much. I'm really, really good. And I noticed we've got another Amanda in the chat as well. Hi, Amanda. Hello, Ms. Amanda Matthews. Thank you so much for joining. All right, so before we start, I would love to introduce Ms. Amanda Pickett to all of you. So Ms. Amanda Pickett has been a primary school teacher in Scotland for about 15 years with experience of teaching children from three to 11 years old. She is currently on assignment with a local authority as digital development officer, working with schools, teachers, and pupils to increase digital literacy and computing science skills. She's passionate about leveraging digital technologies to support, engage, challenge, and inspire. She believes play and games are the best ways children and her herself learn, and she loves making uh, the thinking visible routines to help give her learners a voice. Outside of teaching, she is a powerlifting, crotchetting, pet-owning, lifelong learner who loves to read. It's an honor to have you here, Miss Amanda. The honor is absolutely all mine, Namia. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm over the moon to be here talking to you today. It's this afternoon for me, so um, I couldn't be happier to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So before we start uh, the questions that I have for you, I would love to ask you uh, if you would introduce yourself and also talk about what have you been doing these days and what are the upcoming projects uh, from your side? Yep, absolutely. So as Nami has said, I'm Amanda Pickard. I've been teaching for about 15 years, um, primary teacher in Scotland. So all ages and stages from three years old up to about 11 or 12 years old. I've taught in big schools, wee schools, country schools, um, city schools, town schools, all sorts of different schools, schools which have been in areas of high deprivation and also schools which are in areas of real affluence. So I've got a little bit of experience of absolutely everything. Um, I am on secondment and that just means that I'm not in my class at the moment. I'm working across all the schools in my local authority to develop digital confidence, digital skills. Um, originally, it was specifically focused on professional learning for um, my colleagues and now it's kind of grown a little bit. I have a digital lending library so there's all sorts of codable bits and pieces that I um, manage and organise and help to support. I go out to schools to team teach, I deliver CLPL sessions so I do a little bit of everything. I'm absolutely loving it. I do miss having my own class, I miss uh, the kids but I'm really loving this opportunity in my local authority so um, yeah, that's me. I'm an MIE expert. I'm one of the fellows in Scotland for the MIE team, MIEE Scotland. I'm 
various other things. I'm a Thin Link certified creator, a certified Promethean trainer, a Wakel ambassador, a novel effect ambassador. Um, I'm super fan of Minecraft and ThingLink. Um, and that's me. Yeah, that's pretty much who I am at the moment. What am I doing at the moment? I'm continuing to de develop the digital lending library. So we're just about to launch some new kit onto that. We've got things like Sphero bolts, um, Marty robots. We've got um, green screen equipment, 360 cameras, micro bits, code pillars, blue bots, botly robots. We've got a bit of everything, but we've actually added to that this year. So I'm developing lessons and support documentation. And the next piece of kit will be launched to our digital technology champions across the authority on the 1st of December. But this week, I was really lucky to go out to one of the schools and I was working with a primary 2-3 class and a primary 4 class. And I gave them a wee sneaky preview. Um, and what we're launching is actually uh, the Sphero Indies, if nobody has seen or heard of one. And um, they're like a little car and they've got a wee sensor that reads colours and they're phenomenal. So that's one thing I'm doing. I'm also currently updating our computing science and digital literacy frameworks for my local authority. And I'm working with one of our secondary computing science teachers on that. And I'm organising um, the Digital Technology Champions, which is a group of about 80 teachers in my authority. Um, yeah, so there's lots of things happening. That's that's basically what's happening at the moment. That's so inspiring to him, Miss Amanda, that you love to touch literally everything. And that's a great to learn from you that we have to try everything in life because there's something to learn from each and everything that we try. Absolutely, absolutely. It's having that open mindset to listen and learn from everybody. Right, so uh, my first question to you, is working in the field of education with primary age group, can you help our audience know that how can we make use of STEM in the curriculum? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure every single teacher around the world is in the same position as we are in Scotland. The curriculum is absolutely jam-packed and it's tough. It can be tough to fit everything in. Um, one of the things that is really great in Scotland, our curriculum for excellence encourages that interdisciplinary learning and supports and um, really kind of promotes the teaching of STEM subjects. So um, I think everybody's doing a little bit of something in Scotland, certainly. And for me, the idea of STEM is to combine those subjects of science, technology, engineering and maths to really kind of create rich learning experiences, which are potentially greater than teaching each of those subjects individually. So um, combining them can help my learners and my experience to understand why we teach the subjects and how they apply to real life. I know when I was at school, I just sort of thought, why am I learning this? I'm never going to use this. So I think it's really important to really consider the why and how it applies to real life. Um, and really getting those each understanding that each of those subjects supports the others so that an understanding of one can enhance the understanding of the others, if that makes sense. Um, I always start with what part of the curriculum I want to teach. So I was trying to come up with a few examples. If I was teaching um, science or forces in specifically in science, I'd be looking for other learning outcomes across the curriculum in different subject areas, which can support that learning. Um, I, if I was forces, I would be looking to provide play opportunities 
um, so that my learners um, would be building something that can be used to explore forces. So something with wheels. Can you build something with wheels? And then I'd be thinking about what now? Can we measure the distance? How far will it travel? Can we time how long it travels if we roll it down a, a ramp? Um, and depending on the learners in my class, for the last few years, I've been teaching infants. So that's primary one to three, which is around about four years old, four, five, six, seven years old. Um, depending on those learners in my class, I might include some technology in that. And technology is kind of my passion. Uh, it might be some slow-mo filming so we can watch what happens to the, the motion in action later on. Or it might be asking my learners to film what they're doing, share what they're doing uh, so that we can share with families at home later on and we can watch that back. Um, or I might start with information handling and maths. So that's a, a big focus. Maths, literacy, uh, literacy, numeracy and health and wellbeing is our big focuses in Scotland. And uh, I might start thinking about information handling and maths. We could go outside, count trees, people, signs, red cars, black vans, whatever it is, anything at all. And we could do that with a piece of paper and tally marks and a pencil. Or we could collect the data using microbits. And if I was using the microbits with my teeny weeny learners, I would just have those microbits already coded as a counter. So I would have maybe a group counting red cars, a group counting blue cars or whatever it is. If they were older students, then perhaps we would be learning to code the microbit ourselves. And for even older students, I might be looking at using that microbit as a data logger. So button A for red cars, button B for blue, um, A and B together could be vans, something like that. Um, and extending that, you know, for older learners specifically, probably from... P4 onwards, I would be looking at doing a little bit of digital literacy with Excel spreadsheets, creating charts, things like that. So there's tons and tons of ways that we can use STEM in the curriculum um, and also not to worry about teaching those things individually. So that, that's how I do it in my class. Um, I would love to hear how everybody else is doing. I notice Amanda Macias has put a wee comment in, Universal Design for Learning. Can definitely help with this integrated approach absolutely yeah we're exploring educators as designers of the learning in their classrooms currently in my area that's amazing amanda and i'd love to talk to you more about that definitely thank you so much miss amanda for mentioning that and uh, i must say um that uh, like you mentioned about like combining all stem and that's really significant because we should understand the why and how the subject like you mentioned that one understanding of one can help to understand the other. And all about STEM is just about providing opportunities, measuring the goal, and helping the children to share what they have learned. Like you mentioned, through math literacy, coding microbit, and uh, be it through project-based learning, challenge-based learning, hands-on learning, uh, digital literacy, and also like integrating math and science projects together, real life examples, it could be anything because STEM is a thing that can be used everywhere in the classroom. And in this way, we can understand the why and how the subject as well. For sure. And there's also other opportunities, not just for the same subjects, maths and literacy, but other things like health and well-being, like turn-taking, collaborating, those skills, those 21st century skills that everybody needs, life skills, working together, problem solving, all of those things naturally come into STEM education as well. So it's huge opportunities there.
Right. Thank you so much, Ms. Amanda. And feel free to add in your comments in the chat box. And if you have any questions for Ms. Amanda, please do type it in and she'll be very free to answer you. Yes. Thank you. So uh, my next question to you, Ms. Amanda, is um, what are the modifications required in the STEM education which you feel will encourage educators to opt and use it in their classroom learning? So, so I'm a primary school teacher, so I'm thinking in terms of teaching children from three years to 12 years old. And as I said, my experience recently in the last few years has been teaching the infants. So uh, from those four years old to seven or eight years old. Um, so that's kind of where my mind naturally goes to. But when I think about that first day of primary school and I meet my new class, these wee learners are coming into school. They are full of ideas and wonder and curiosity and questions and they have amazing imaginations and I always start whatever I'm teaching uh, thinking about the learners that are in front of me and um, we tend to sometimes feel that whether it's a perceived pressure or whether it's real or not there is that we've got to get through the curriculum this is what I teach in this year group this is my topic but I really try and kind of focus on those children who are in front of me right then and there and what are their interests? What questions are they asking? What are they talking about? What stories are they telling? And it's hard sometimes for teachers to kind of step back and watch and let the learners lead. But I think that's such an important skill to develop for all of us. And it's, it's sometimes, you know, hard to step back, watch, listen, observe, and it's been a journey for me and I'm still on that journey. I'm not perfect at it. Sometimes you get the, oh, I need to be teaching this right now. So we need to be moving on. But I think that's really, really important. And one of the things recently in Scotland, the last couple of years has been the introduction and focus uh, of play-based learning. Um, and that's a great way to introduce more STEM teaching and learning in your class. It is letting learners lead their own learning. It is joining in with their play, supporting their play, asking them if you can join in with their play and how you can join in, letting them lead. Um, what are they doing? Whatever they're doing informs and inspires what I teach. It's up to me as a teacher to kind of connect that with the curriculum and make sure that everything is covered. But uh, for example, I had a class who loved construction. They just built the whole class, boys and girls, they just built with everything they could lay their hands on, everything and anything. They And I would sit back, what are you building? Why are they building it? Sometimes it was massive towers. Sometimes it, they, were, they built a zoo one day. Um, they built uh, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And sometimes I wouldn't be able to tell what they were building. And I, I guess that's the other thing. When I, I remember when I was first learning to be a teacher, when I was I went to university to do my teaching degree, um, we had to write out lesson plans and think about, you know, what the questions we were going to ask and what resources we would put out. And I would genuinely spend hours thinking, right, I've got every single thing that I can think of. And I would go into a lesson sometimes and my learners would do something completely different totally unexpected something that I hadn't even considered and and that's that's the important thing that it doesn't matter as an adult we don't sometimes realize or think about 
how children approach resources. They do it in a completely different way to whatever I'm thinking of. So I, I can never think of things like that. And that's what is brilliant about teaching. It is genuinely the best job in the world. And I love working with kids because they are so inspiring. So what are they building? Why are they building that? What is the inspiration? Um, and how can I start adapting that or adding to it or enhancing that learning experience or adding something else in terms of resources or bringing out some sort of technology, some codable toy or an iPad or adding in something like that. Or I've had other classes who all they wanted was telling stories, reading books, playing with puppets, acting out dramas. You know, it, it just genuinely comes from those learners in front of me. I've had other classes where they were absolutely mad about sports, football, active games in the gym hall. You know, there's tons of stuff we can do with micro bits and step counters and running around the playground and measuring how far we can go and measuring how many beats our hearts go. So there's tons of ways to introduce STEM learning if you just step back, watch, listen and observe and really kind of let those learners lead their own learning and then take that inspiration. What can I do to support those interests? How can I add in that STEM learning? How can I combine the outcomes that I want them to achieve with the interests that they already have? So I'm not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. I am trying to adapt my teaching to their interests. And I think that that's the magic. I don't always get it right. I don't, I don't, but I try and I'm still on that journey. That's so considerable, Miss Amanda, that you love to adapt to how children want to learn. And like you mentioned about, you know, watching, listening, observing, that's really vital because um, like you were mentioning before that when you saw young children for the first time, they are really, you know, inquisitive. And being a teacher, it is vital that, you know, we have to cater to the age and then think from their thinking skills or what they might be thinking. And you mentioning about focusing on play-based learning is very important because in this way, students can lead their own learning. And I really love the example that you gave of construction that children did in the classroom. But you could imagine that why were they doing it, what and how. And uh, that made people realize and children can, children can do things differently. And uh, giving examples about you know telling stories, reading dramas, and that's really great. So it's basically like you mentioned that if a teacher is able to adapt to how children want to learn, the classroom becomes really lively and engaging for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have hilarious stories of putting out resources in my primary one play-based learning classroom where I'm thinking, here are these resources and this is what they're going to do. They're going to create artwork. And that's not what they do. They were just, oh, look, Mrs. Pickard has put out these resources and we're going to use these to add into our construction, add into our building. And, you know, it's the, no, 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 don't do that. It's for art. No, it is. Okay, you're you're using that in a, in a creative way. And I want my learners to be creative. I want them to be creating and uh, using their imagination. And it's, you know, it is tough as a teacher to sometimes step back and think it's okay that they are not using those resources in the way that I had intended uh, and mm -hmm. now maybe I need to sit back and learn from these little people what these resources are good for. Right and also we have more comments from Miss Amanda 
about play and cultural responsive pedagogy. And we also have Miss Laura Pedin that is saying hello to both of us. Yeah, Laura is one of these teachers who is on Twitter who's amazing. She is a STEM genius and she's one of the people that really inspires me. Amanda as well, Amanda Macias. These are two of my inspirational uh, pals that I have made in the last couple of years. So I take a lot of um, inspiration from both of them. So it's nice to see them both here. Thank you. And thank you so much for putting in the comments. Please keep that going on. All right. So my next question uh, for you is what can be done to make STEM learning an enriching experience for students in the primary schools so that they can carry forward the same passion that they have in the higher classes as well? Okay, so I, I kind of have uh, my own opinion about this, and this is only my opinion, and I have not taught um, the older kids in primary for a few years. But for years and years, what I feel is um, the big push in play for the infants should be extended to all years throughout primary. There should be those opportunities for play-based learning for the kids to lead their own learning, and that play-based learning, games-based learning, I just have learned so much from pupils watching and listening to them play and interact and collaborate with each other. And I, I genuinely think as primary schools, we go through primary, there's greater expectations. They're a little bit older and maybe there are less opportunities or there's less of a kind of chance in class to fit in play because we have to get through the curriculum. And I totally understand that. But for me, I would be still encouraging teachers of all ages and stages in primary education to allow those opportunities for play-based learning using games. I, I listened very uh, recently, actually a couple of weeks ago, to Laura Peden, who's here today, talking about creating epic failures in class. And it was about games and not necessarily uh, digital games or Minecraft or anything like that, but actually just like board games and how children uh, play those games and they might not win, they might lose or they, things don't work out the way they want, but they don't give up. And it was such an inspiring uh, presentation. And I think that there's so much in that. It's about allowing children to lead their learning, giving them opportunities to collaborate and play, but also giving them opportunities to fail as well and see those skills being developed, having an open mindset about problem solving, about resilience, all of those things are really, really important. And I haven't taught at secondary, I, I definitely haven't, but I have been in, in this, my secondment into a few secondary schools and the learners there are completely different from primary. They absolutely do. And I have no experience of teaching secondary pupils, but you can see that um, it's different. They're a little bit older. They might not feel so confident putting themselves out there in a situation where they're not sure that they're going to succeed but I think if we just had that as a norm that it's okay to fail failing is a normal part of learning I, I genuinely think that that would help to maintain that passion for STEM I know in I think in Scotland, there, there is a kind of dip in uptake where um, computing science, for example, is seen as not something for girls. And that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. So um, I really want everyone to know that it doesn't matter what the subject is. It's open to you, boy, girl, whatever. 
all subjects are open to everybody and I would really like to see the confidence and real resilience in children being taught as a really fundamental skill and skill and hopefully maintaining the passion to to go for it with whatever you're interested in interestingly enough I was in a primary four class this week and I asked the kids to vote what do you think is going to happen when I do this and the whole class said this robot is going to go backwards one wee boy put his hand up and said no it, it's going to go and it's going to do something different and he could see all of his classmates had voted differently and I thought oh no he's going to change his mind and so I said to him that's amazing you you stick with what your opinion is that's really really good it's important for you if that's what you think you stick to your guns and I knew that he was right anyway but yeah I just thought there was that moment there I just thought he was going to change his mind and pull his hand down and agree with everybody else and I want children to disagree I, I'd like children when in my class who challenge me, who don't always agree with everything, who, you know, if I'm saying, would you like to do this or this? And they say, neither, I want to do this. I want them to be able to disagree and explain why. You know, I want them to be able to articulate their thoughts and their feelings. So I, I think that those skills are really important to maintaining that passion as they get older and older and go into secondary education. That's just my opinion. That I agree, totally agree with that. It's really influencing that you're talking about how we have less opportunities in higher classes, um, you know, for including play, but still you believing in encouraging in to include into it any way is possible. I agree with that because even in uh, in schools in India, in our school as well, um, it's not like Minecraft specifically, but it's being used in different ways to at least make children more engaging in the classroom so that they don't feel the lack of uh, not having the you know ways to in, in collaborate as well. And like you mentioned about giving children opportunities to collaborate, play, fail, and try again. And that reminded me the word fail itself means first attempt in learning. And that's how like your passion helps you to go towards your interest and you're giving the example of the child who just was the only one who agreed with the point that yes it can work out and that's what reminds uh, us about sticking uh, to our opinion standing out learning to agree to disagree and give out our perspective as well and not being the one in the crowd but getting out of the crowd and then talking about our opinion is very vital yeah, absolutely. That self-confidence, the self-esteem to disagree, to stand out is so important, but to do it with respect. And for those people who are all agreeing with something else, to respect that somebody would have a different opinion or a different idea. I think those skills are so incredibly important for life, for your, the rest of your life. Right. So we have uh, many more comments chiming in. So first is from Miss Anne Cosma. She's here. Thank you so much for joining. And also she has more comments coming and coming up for us, play to learn. That was something uh, that was a big scheme in my first grade classroom. And she says learning with all Amanda's today. <laughs> yeah, all Amanda's, Amanda squared today. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. And also Miss Amanda, uh, she's saying about sometimes we have to sit back and watch what students show us they are learning even if it's not what we intended. Yeah, yeah, so important. So hard to do sometimes though, but so important. Right. 
And Ms. Laura, as well as talking about, we continue play right up to P7 in our school. Mm -hmm. Above P4, we start calling it Tinker Time or Independent Learning. Love that. Love that, Laura. Brilliant. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining in and also putting in your questions. So let's move on to the next question. And that's a fun one. So I would like to ask you, Ms. Amanda, if you had to describe yourself in one word, what would that be and why? So my word is actually one of my values. I have two values that I kind of hold close to my heart, but one of my values is adventure. And that's why I would describe myself as being adventurous. Adventurous in life, just having a go um, at whatever I fancy, whatever takes my uh, attention. Uh, I just think I would describe myself as being adventurous. I did um, go off on adventures when I was younger. I bought one way ticket to the States and went away, wandered around America. I have uh, lived in a boat, traveled, sailed all over the Mediterranean on a boat. And yeah, I just think that's the way I've lived my life and the way I would still describe myself as being adventurous. That's really great to hear. And I agree to that point that, you know, being adventurous is vital because it helps you to stay cool whenever you're under pressure and you can gain perspective in your entire life. So you're able to see how things go on and what is your perspective to that. And in this way, you can, you know, learn how to do problem solving, but also get opportunities to grow and learn because whenever we have new environments around us, we, uh, you know, sometimes uh, aren't like very comfortable, but when we become adventurous, we learn how to adapt to new environments and adapt to different kinds of people and, you know, uh, learn how to interact with them. So I agree, being adventurous is important. Yeah, I think it's good as well to kind of get out of your comfort zone. And, you know, if somebody asks me to do something and I think, oh, I've never done that before, like today, I've never done this before. And I thought, no, I'm going to say yes. Um, so yeah, adventure is absolutely important in my life. And I, I love it. Cheers to the adventures ahead. Love that. <laughs> yeah, adventure. That's me. Thank you so much for the answer. I really love that. So moving on to the next question is, um, I heard uh, from you in one of your sessions that you use storytelling with various apps. So can you please tell us more about that? I'm very excited to know about it. Okay, so I love stories. I love them. I love reading them. I love listening to them. I love when people read me stories. I literally read stories to everyone and anyone all the time. If I visit my family, I usually have a story to tell them. And I think if you actually asked my family, they would tell you that I've always been like that. Uh, one of my sisters actually calls me the keeper of the books. So all the books <laughs> come to me. I have got thousands and thousands of books. I'm not sure I've got enough to start my own library, but I wouldn't be too far off. Um, I've recently become a Novel Effect ambassador, and that's a wee app. Um, and I know Anne Cosma knows uh, this app as well, which responds to your voice and, and plays like soundscapes. Um, and as you read along into a book, so as you're reading the book, it plays this amazing magical soundscape. And, and I just love it. And it's really kind of um, up to my game when I'm reading stories to people. In October holidays, I was at a, an October holiday club and there was a bunch of kids there from like three years old up to like 
14 and they had been cooped up inside from eight o'clock in the morning. It was the afternoon, it had been raining all day and the play leader in that holiday club had said, Amanda, they're not interested in stories. They're not going to sit down and listen to you read a story. And I just said, let me try because I read stories to everybody. And I started to read a story, uh, the most magnificent thing using novel escape, uh, novel effect. And within seconds, they were all quiet and they were like, read it again, read it again. So I love stories. That's Stories are everywhere in school. Um, we learners, if anybody's ever taught like the teeny weenies, they come in, they arrive in school in the morning and they have stories to tell. And it's incredibly important to listen to those stories. It's great for getting to know your learners and understand them. It's great to understand what they find out, what they're interested in, how they're feeling and why. Um, and I have a few little stories to tell you about stories in my classroom. So I taught a few years ago, I had a primary two class and there was a wee girl in there who had lots of barriers to learning. She found it very difficult to retain any sort of learning about phonics. So reading was a big challenge for her. Writing was a big challenge. And I said to her one day, um, just tell me a story. And as she sat next to me, I had one note open and I, I put on the dictate button. I just switched it on. And she told me this amazing story, this wee one who was always, you know, needing support for learning and was kind of almost treated like, that by her peers in the class you know she was someone to be looked after because she struggled with learning and she did but then she told me this incredible story with descriptions and amazing bits and pieces and there was an amazing kind of twist in it and she just kept telling me the story and then I told her that what I'd done and all of her words were on the the one note and then we listened back to it using immersive reader and she was so shocked because I told her she had written a story she had written a book and I can honestly say hand on heart I had kids in that class who were incredible writers they would write but we're you know we're talking three five maybe seven sentences simple sentences they were learning to read and write they were great really able really capable but this we get all take away that paper and pencil take away all of that stress and pressure just let her tell the story that's writing a story, that's telling a story. She was an amazing storyteller. And I, I did that with her for the whole year. And she would come back to me, I wanna change that bit in the story. And we would find the bit in the story. I wanna change that word. I wanna add in a little bit to it. So stories are powerful, amazingly powerful. So that was one of my um, older stories about um, stories um, with one note. I've also used ThingLink with stories. So my primary one class of construction builders, they, they built everything all the time. So I often would just hand over my iPad and they would take a photograph of whatever they built. We would put it into ThingLink and then I would show them how to add in tags and then they could record audio explaining what their story around their building was. And then I could share that easily with parents. It's just a wee URL that I could share that with parents at home. And this was just after lockdown. So we'd just come back into school. We couldn't still have families and mums and dads into school. So it was a really easy way of them to tell mums and dads at home what they were doing in school, what they were learning about, and the stories about their learning. So I love ThingLink for that. That same year after lockdown, we used ThingLink to tell the nativity story. 
Uh, and again, we couldn't have um, an audience. So they made their like mini me's. We took photographs of each of the kids and they made their little costumes. And then we actually just used them as puppets. And we recorded that video, recorded the audio and put it into ThingLink. Um, another infant class again, sorry, it's all about infants today, um, was a P3 class who loved stories, but loved digital technology. And eventually I had done a little bit of filming slow motion, stop motion animation, little bits and pieces like that. But any time that they had an opportunity to choose or play, I had a group of girls that would tell stories with stop motion animation. And it blows my mind what they did. They literally had like a little um, piece of paper where they would kind of lay out what the story would be. So like almost like a cartoon. Uh, They would plan the story, working together as a team without any adult help or support and they would create these amazing stop-motion animation cartoons to tell stories that of things that were just used around the classroom we had these little um alligators i think they were and they sort of split in half so there was a capital letter on the head half and the small letter in the bottom half and then they had them together and they would split them apart and then it was about finding their their match so these little crocodiles told a story of finding their match so they were they did amazing these stop motion animations to tell stories about what they learned putting into practice the skills that they had learned creatively to tell their own stories they love that stories are power everybody should tell stories right that's so perplexing that you're talking about storytelling and i must say that storytelling like you said is the most powerful way to put ideas into the world today. And like you mentioned um, about Nobel story and uh, Nobel effect in storytelling, that you were giving an example of going to students and uh, somebody said that they might not listen to you, but when you used it, they became more inquisitive and wanted to learn more from you. And personally, I love to hear stories like whenever we're at school and like our friends have some horror stories to share or some stories that where they went for adventures really interesting because when stories have twists they are worth listening and you know uh, we just take away all the pressure that we have inside us and we can share our stories because um you know they're very powerful like you mentioned and i love the thinking example as well about stories about learning in school and the stop motion animation stories they're all, all great examples yeah, I love stories, honestly. I think, I don't know what life would be like without stories. I like a good story. All stories are good stories. Right. And we have more comments coming in from Miss Anne about loving the novel effect. <clears throat> Sorry. And we have um, another prompt from Miss Amanda about sharing stories with Flip as well. Yes, that's another good app, isn't it? That's an amazing one. Okay, we have another example uh, by Miss Anne is what a beautifully profound example of this young girl seeing the power of her voice using speech to text, using immersive reader. What a powerful way to help her see her world in new ways. Yeah, and that story is such an emotional one for me because everybody's opinion, everybody, all her classmates saw her in a different light that she actually was a learner, was a storyteller. In fact, she was the best storyteller. She told the best stories. And she had developed a really great imagination, a really great memory to remember how her stories went. And she could come back and develop those same stories over and over and over again. And, you know, printing those out, 
getting her to illustrate them and popping them into our school library changed everybody everybody's the way everybody saw that that wee person and I just think that was incredibly powerful I love that I learned a lot from that wee person I, I learned a lot from her right so um, my next question to you is you've made extensive lesson plans using Minecraft, Tingling, Wiggly and many more so can you tell us about any of your favorite lesson so this is impossible to choose. This is impossible to choose. So um, I one of my first thing links that I created during lockdown. So when we first went into lockdown, I was teaching primary one. They were four and five years old. They were already independently able to log into a computer in our school with their own unique name and user, their username and password. And then I um, introduced them to Teams that week that we were going into lockdown. So all that they did was send me an emoji. And I honestly went home thinking, how am I going to teach primary one in lockdown? Um, we've started with an emoji. They can log in, we can get an emoji, that's great. And then I met Louise Jones from ThingLink. Uh, a team MIE Scotland uh, meeting online and I thought ThingLink is the way to go. So one of my first ones that I did um, was a lesson about building sentences. It was actually a couple of weeks in and I knew that the engagement of my weepy ones was not the best. It, it was a big challenge for everybody, uh, for families and learners at home. But when I started building thing links, I started getting a little bit more interest from the learners at home because they can be independent. They open up the thing link and they click on one of the tags and they can, I was recording myself, videos, audio, giving them instructions so that they could be independent and mums and dads didn't have to sit them down and teach them at a desk. But one of the first ones I did was about this building sentences and, um, by that time, two or three weeks in, I was bored of the sound of my own voice. So I had an app called My Talking Pet and I took a photograph of my dog, Travis, and I used Travis to deliver the lesson. Um, so when the kids looked, like clicked on one of the tags, they could see me talking and then they would click the actual lesson tags and it would be Travis who was into introducing the lesson and then giving each instruction in a different tag and the kids and parents loved it it just really kind of kicked off that um, engagement in a in a better way so I love ThingLink for that um, and I made lots and lots of ThingLinks in lockdown but I'm going to talk about a couple of other ones if that's okay as well so I used Wakelet a lot so I curated sort of bits and pieces in Wakelet um, so I did a Wakelet lesson for bird week and that was just um it was linear so there was you know it was just a list of things and activities to do and that was easy to share for parents so I could send out that url and that was the the biggest thing for me because I didn't know what devices were being used at home I didn't know how many people were using these devices and I wanted to kind of get around that having to log in and out if you're sharing a device with a big brother or sister. So I would just send out a URL for a thing link or a URL for a wakelet. So those bird week was just activities. And it was just, again, about developing that independence in my little learners for that. But this week, Navia, and I know you know about this lesson, and it wasn't me that built it, but I'm going to give Barry Mock a big shout out because I met Barry in lockdown and he is an amazing educator in Wales. And um, I'm known for having my wee ponders 
um, on Twitter. So I would have a wee ponder and I'm like, I wonder if I could do this. I'm having a wee ponder about, can I do this in something or whatever? So Barry took a wee ponder of mine and I chat to him all the time um, and built this amazing lesson world in Minecraft called Phonics Island. And it was just launched this week. And it's about exploring a QWERTY keyboard. And that's the key for little ones in, to build their independence with digital skills. They need to log in and out. So you need keyboard skills. And it was about how I teach those keyboard skills to my little learners. So Barry took that, exploring a QWERTY keyboard, learn out and learn about simple sounds and words associated with those keys. Recognising the connection between sounds and simple letters and words and spelling, simple CVC spelling words. So Phonics Island has got to be up there with the best lesson i didn't build it because barry's amazing and i am rubbish at building minecraft but i love minecraft the power of minecraft how it engages inspires learners there's so many lessons in minecraft that that are incredible and i wish i could build but i can't um but i love playing it and using it so barry mocks phonics island off the back of a wee ponder has got to be up there with at least top three <laughs> top three but yeah those are sorry I know you said one but three <laughs> that's perfect you're right I love to hear all the things that you mentioned and I see Amanda Macias is saying our team is loving the Minecraft education phonics world yes I love that feedback is great let us know if there's anything that you would change or want to see differently but yeah, that world is incredible. And that was a huge amount of work. So it's months and months and months of back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. And mm -hmm. so that is just a genius. Right. That's really substantial if we're talking about, you know, building sentences, sentences using ThingLink and getting the interest from learners is very, you know, an inspiration from, for you to keep on going forward. And um, like you mentioned about ThingLink, I must say it's a great tool because I have made a few things as well. And one of them that I remember was we had this cultural connect uh, one year back. So we had to create like, you know, um, things about the place that we live at and what are the things that are very really famous there. So I live in Ludhiana, Punjab. So Punjab is a state in India. So I made the entire thing link talking about the culture, the food, uh, what kind of clothes we wear, where the great places to visit inside the entire map of Punjab and putting the, you know, points where people could click and read about it. So in this way, like, uh, you know, people get more attracted to your place and they are very uh, inquisitive to learn more about it. And being children, they're attracted with different kind of tools. Like you mentioned about Wiklet that helped them develop their own independence. And lastly, Minecraft, like you mentioned, that really know about is the Vimok, uh, who made the lesson phonics island with you and uh, that helped children to develop the independence with their digital skills. And in the end, yes, Minecraft power is great. Yes, it really genuinely is. Yeah, I love that um, thing link that you built about your area. That's amazing. I would love to see that if you are willing to share sure. the sneaky preview. I would love to see that one. Thing link sure. is just incredible. It's so powerful and such a simple tool to use. And the updates over the last couple of years is they've blown my mind. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And we have another uh, comment from Miss Anne. All of these stories make my first grade teacher heart so happy. We know our youngest scholars can. Thank you, Amanda, for sharing these examples. 
Oh, and you know, when I first started teaching little ones a few years ago in my classroom, we didn't do any social media with this class, but my little P2s at the time, so they were like five or six years old, came up with their own hashtag and we put it everywhere over the school, which was hashtag we ones can, hashtag we are five. That's what we had in our class. And we ones can. We just have to teach them. But gosh, little learners are incredible. They're so capable I think they're more capable than sometimes we realize sometimes the knowledge that they have I remember a few years ago I was teaching actually a primary three class so he was wee boy was about seven and I asked them to tell me everything he knew about the hometown that we were living in and he said this thing to me he's like oh elephants used to come over the bridge in air and I was like, what I've never heard of such a thing. So I went and researched this at the library and he was absolutely right. Years and years and years ago, like before he was born, like a long time before he was born, the circus used to come to town and they used to walk the elephants across one of the bridges. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And that's that's just what blows my mind about we people. They have got so much knowledge and so many things in their heads that we don't realise half the time. I love that. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Yes. K2 can do a lot. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, Miss Amanda and Miss Anne. So in the end, I would love to ask you the where can we find you online? And also we would love to have a message from you for the audience watching us. Okay, okay. So my message would be to be adventurous, be brave, have a go, play, watch and listen connect with folk that inspire or are interested in the things that you're interested in and expand your professional learning network. Um, I did that in lockdown. It took me a long time to think, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did it in lockdown through Twitter. And that's where you can find me on Twitter at AJOB Pickard. And I have met so many incredible people, made so many connections around the world, including yourself, Namia, which I think it might have been two years ago since I met you first of all and that would be through your mum on Twitter um, so I'm so lucky to know all of these people around the world and that that would be my message be adventurous be brave have a go play watch listen that's me thank you so much Miss Amanda that's a really lovely message and listening from you today has given me so many great examples and insights that I will remember and the audience as well for staying put for uh, the 15 minutes that I, that I don't know how it went fast. I was listening I don't know. so intently to you. It is such a great uh, honor for me to have you on my podcast. And I would just like to end by saying this quote that I really love is learning should be a joy and full of excitement. It's life's greatest adventure. It is an illustrated exertion into the mind of noble and the learned. So that truly inspires everybody to keep on continuing on their path. And always, always, you know, getting out great adventurous teachers all across the world like you. Namia, the pleasure has all been mine. Absolute massive honour to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to come along. And thank you to everybody who's joined us this afternoon. And yeah, keep being adventurous, everyone. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining this podcast. And thank you so much, uh, Miss Amanda, for being here. So thank you. And I'll see you in the next episode. Till then, each one, teach 10. Have a nice day. Bye.